really great to see everybody today. What would Jesus undo? Uh, how many have heard of what would Jesus do? WWJD. So people used to wear the bracelets. WWJD. This is WWJU. Um, back in 1896, a guy named Charles Sheldon wrote a book, What Would Jesus Do? It was kind of in a rural uh, community that he wrote this book. And, he, um, and the book depicts that when they came to certain situations in life, they would ask themselves the question, what would Jesus do? A hundred years later, it became a thing, and everyone got excited about it and wore bracelets. You know, you had rappers wearing WWJD bracelets. It just became very, very popular to wear those bracelets. And, uh, but, the, but in this series, we're going to ask a little bit different question. And the question is, if Jesus were here today, not what would Jesus do, but what would he undo? What would Jesus undo if he were here today? And for our scripture reading from Revelations chapter 3, and by the way, in your worship guide, there's a place to take notes and fill in blanks if you want to. And then afterwards, we have free notebooks for you outside, three ring binders. You can put those note pages in there. You can bring it back week after week and collect those notes. Uh, But from Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, (laughs) it says, I know your deeds. In other words, I've been looking at your lives. I remember what it was like when you first found the Lord. I, I, I know your deeds, and I've been watching you, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one. I wish you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you are neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The first thing that that we're going to talk about this week, and we're kind of getting into the deep end of the pool here, but what would Jesus undo? One of the things that Jesus would undo if he were here today, I believe... (coughs) that Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. He would undo spiritual indifference. He's writing to a church in a city called Laodicea. Laodicea was like the Dubai of its day. It was a very wealthy city. It was a very modern city. It had all of the the modern things of that day. The only problem with Laodicea is they had an inadequate water source. And so they got their water by aqueducts from two different uh, cities. One was Hierapolis, and the other was from Colossae. Now the water from Hierapolis was hot springs. It was hot water. But by the time it came down the aqueduct and it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. The other water source was from a city called Colossae, and it was famous for its cold springs. And and by the way, if you're having trouble, remember this, Hierapolis H. Hot. Colossi cold, okay? So the cold comes from Colossi. The hot comes from Hierapolis. The cold water from Colossi, it would come 
on aqueduct. And by the time that it got to Laodicea, it was just lukewarm. And there was nothing special about lukewarm water. You know, you could have hot springs. That was cool. Cold springs had wonderful qualities to it. But lukewarm water was just, just not very appetizing. Nothing to say about it. And, and, and Laodicea was, was, was kind of a retirement community. People, people kind of came there after they'd already accomplished what they accomplished in life. And so Laodicea was just kind of famous, not for being too extreme in any way. These people, a lot of them were retired. They're just kind of coasting. And Jesus says to this retirement wealthy community that doesn't have hot water or cold water, he says, just like your water source, the one thing that I have an issue with you is not, you know, I, I would be okay if you were cold. If you were, if you were cold, at least we could have revival and set you on fire. If you were hot, that would be great. But, but, it, but it's a real problem that you're... Laodicea, by the way, L, lukewarm. You're lukewarm. You're just, you're just. And, and can I just be honest enough to say, when I look at, at Knoxville, Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, that would, would probably pride ourselves in being part of the Bible Belt, that, that we've got churches on every corner, that, 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 uh, that, that uh, you, you know, uh, we, 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 would, we would say of ourselves, yeah, we're okay because we've got church. But if I could be really honest, I would say that my sense of the pulse of Knoxville, Tennessee, is that we have lots of half-empty or half-full churches that are sort of, many of us, spiritual indifference. Not life church, of course. But spiritual indifference... I think would characterize not just Laodicea, but it would also characterize our day today. We're just sort of, we're just sort of there. And 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 what Jesus wants to say is that spiritual indifference doesn't just break his heart, it makes him sick. Literally, the word means I want to vomit. It makes me nauseous. This idea of not being hot or cold, it's not a heartbreaker for me. It just makes me sick. We have been called the meh, meh generation. I just learned that word. I think it's too hard to say apathy. So we just say, Meh. Meh. You familiar? How, how you doing spiritually? Meh. Uh, how, how's your relationship with God? Meh. What are you looking forward to in the future? Meh. Can I just say that we, we, we're a society that's had everything, seen everything, done everything. We, we've, got, we've got restaurants for every kind of food that we've ever tried. And so when we go to restaurants now, it's just kind of like, yeah, meh. Meh, I've, I've, I've had that before. Meh. Meh. That, that's what Jesus is, is going after. It's the, it's the lack of passion. It's, it's the lack of 
the lack of uh, excitement, the lack of spiritual fervor. It doesn't just break his heart. It, it makes him sick. I, I'm a Christian. Well, where? Why don't you go to church, man? Been there, done that. What are the causes of spiritual indifference? I'm going to give us two causes this morning. The first cause of spiritual indifference that the Scripture gives us here is self-sufficiency. We're self-reliant people. Revelations 3.17 says this. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are blind, and you are poor. I don't need God. I've got a job. I've got a 401k. I've got all the toys that I need. I've got everything that I need in life to, 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 to succeed. I, I, you know, I, I really just don't need anymore. I'm self-sufficient. It's interesting how Jesus described the city because the city was famous for making clothes. It was a textile place. It was, it was also a city that was famous for banking. It was a banking center. And it had a famous eye clinic. People would go there to get their eyes treated. And what did Jesus say? You guys think that you're rich because you got all these banks. You think because you got all these clothes. And you think because you got these eye clinics, what would Jesus? Jesus said just the opposite. You're naked. You don't have any clothes. You're poor. You think you're rich, but you're poor. And, and you think that you're this eye clinic center of the world. You're blind. So he says to Laodicea, you're naked, you're poor, you're blind, because spiritually you're just meh. And so imagine it from God's point of view. God says that, that, that I have done everything for you. I have emptied heaven and, and I have come uh, to you and, and, and I, I, I sent my son. When you were guilty, I took your place. I provided you with salvation. And, and not only did I provide you with salvation, but after I provided you with salvation and I died for your sins, I rose from the dead so that you could live a, a fulfilled life now on this earth. You could live a passionate uh, life and you could be totally fulfilled. And, and Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might live it to the full. I came so that you could have all of that. And not only that, I, I rose from the dead so you could do that. But then when I went away, I, I sent you all these gifts. I sent you the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that you could use them. And right now you could experience the fulfilled, God-infused life. And I give you this gift and your response is, meh. Meh. I, I kind of dealt with this in a message a few weeks ago when I and this is a good kind of friend day thing. To, to, when we invited, when, 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 when the story of the man that invited all of the people to the banquet to honor his son, the king wanted to honor his son, and, and people came back and said, thanks for the invite, thanks for the free banquet, thanks for the invite to the king's house, but you know, I've married a wife. Meh. I, I, I've, uh, you know, I, I've got a field that I've got to tend to. Meh. I, I have a, I, I've, I just bought a cow. I got to milk cows this morning. Meh. 
Can I say that the king has invited us to his feast and the cows can wait? And and God has provided everything for us. And when when he looks at this city of Laodicea, he says, it doesn't just break my heart. It it, it actually makes me me sick. So one is self-sufficiency. The second cause is distractions. Mark 4.19 says this, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and make it incredibly unfruitful. I I hope this doesn't come as a surprise to you. Uh, Excuse me, I've got to check Facebook. Just I'm sorry. Could you guys talk amongst yourselves for a minute? I think i got a few more likes on my Facebook, and i got to... Check it out. How many know that we are distracted? We're a distracted society. And I don't want to be just that old guy that just complains about everyone using I use my cell I don't know how I lived before I had a cell phone. But 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 this technology that was that was meant to help us and and, and meant to be there to assist us and to aid us has now become a ball and chain around us and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's distracted us so that the last thing we do before we go to bed is we're, we're checking all of our apps on our phones and the first thing that we're doing in the morning is we're checking all the apps on our phones and we're incredibly distracted. How many know I'm telling the truth this morning? We're distracted. Nicholas Carr wrote a book called The Shallows. He said, the net is designed to be an interruption system, a machine geared to dividing our attention. He said, we willingly accept the loss of concentration and focus and the division of our attention and the fragmentation of our thoughts in return for the wealth of compelling or at least diverting information that we receive. And so we've become incredibly distracted goes on to say, addiction is the relentless pull to a substance or an activity that becomes so compulsive that it ultimately interferes with our everyday lives. And so this distraction is becoming so crazy that it is interfering with our everyday daily lives. And then he says, by that definition, nearly everyone that I know is addicted in some measure to the Internet. It has arguably replaced work itself as our most socially sanctioned addiction. We're tied to these things. We're, 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 uh, there, there's a game called Words, Words with Friends. It's, it's a great game. It's, it's kind of like Scrabble on your phone. And I was playing that game, and before I knew it, I was, I was playing with my dad, and someone else invited me to play, and I was playing with them, and before I knew it, someone else was inviting me to play, and I was playing. I had like 30 games going. Every moment between anything in life, I was getting on trying to find a better word, trying to find a better word. I, I got to about a year ago, you know, I, and I could justify it. It's a great way to connect with my dad. I can keep up with my dad. You know, I've got friends that I haven't connected with forever. But it became such a distraction to me that I had to just take the app off, quit all the games. Somebody told me today, I heard you're a Rook player. I love to play Rook. But I can tell you, there have been times in my life when playing Rook online 
became an addiction for me. And it became a distraction for me to where time that, you know, should have been spent with family or should have been spent, you know, with God or should have been spent doing other things, it just became sort of an addiction to me. And I had to break away from that because we're living in a society that is so distracted that spiritually, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, are we listening, church? If we're not careful, we can become meh about the things that really matter the most. Am I telling the truth this morning? Not only is it self-sufficiency, but it's, but it's distraction. And, and it doesn't just break God's heart. It actually makes him sick. The average male, I heard, spends six hours emailing a day. Wow. Living with lukewarm indifference. What are some of the signs of, of, of lukewarm indifference in our lives? If you're taking notes, we're more concerned with impressing people than we are living for God. Jesus said this, that there were people that believed in him, but they didn't want to admit it because they were afraid that the Pharisees would kick them out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. They were more concerned with what would so-and-so think if I went to that church? What would so-and-so think? We become more focused on what others think rather than what God thinks. A second reason is we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity. First John says this, don't love the world. These are the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can get so in love with this world right here. We used to sing a song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust can corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Amen. Because, because if we get so earthly focused, if we get so focused on the here and now right now, spiritually, our attitude's going to be meh. Because we become, and one of the things that we believe at Life Church is that all of this life is, is a rehearsal for eternity. Amen. Amen. We're getting ready. This life is, is, just a, is just a pinpoint of our total existence and everything that we're doing here is getting. So don't get so focused on the here and now that we forget what is eternally important. Amen. Amen. Number three, we rationalize sin and live without truly fearing God. You know, when we have a problem with sin, we just sort of rename it. You know, it's not, it's not pornography, it's adult entertainment. It's not adultery, it's an affair. We just rename things and we rationalize sin without truly fearing God. 
And, and if we rationalize sin, and we all sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God, but if we don't take our sins seriously, spiritually our attitude's going to be meh. doesn't really matter. God, reawaken us with the, with the fear of God again. We believe in Jesus, number four, but we rarely share our faith. We believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. And why is it that we rare, rarely share our faith? We, we rarely share our faith because we don't really believe the gospel. We don't really believe that, that, that if people don't find the Lord, that they're going to spend eternity apart from God. If we really believe what we teach, we believe that we're getting people ready to spend eternity with God and one another in a place of joy, in a place where there's no more sickness, no more dying, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. Amen. Amen. And so we don't share our faith and spiritually we just sort of become meh. Number five, we only turn to God when we need him. We only turn to God when we need him. It's interesting how how the churches swelled after 9-11. I mean, after 9-11, I was pastoring in Illinois. We had a full house. Everyone was like listening. Tell us the word of God because we suddenly realized. But after a while, we are duped into thinking we got this. We're self-sufficient. We don't need God anymore. And when we, when we only, I, I heard a great sermon one time. You know, some people just pray, just pray when they get, you know, when they really get stuck or they really need him. And by the way, when you're getting ready to get in an accident, that's not the time to be introducing yourself to God. <laughs> It'd be nice if you already had a relationship. <laughs> I heard a great sermon one time that God takes care of his regular customers. And it was, a, it was a sermon about Daniel and the lion's den and how Daniel prayed to God three times a day and God knew his name and they were, he, Daniel was a regular customer. And so when Daniel was thrown into a lion's den and he cried out to God, it wasn't a new introduction. He wasn't hearing from him for the first time. We don't just, we don't just seek after God when we need him because the truth is, the truth is we need him every day. Every, every, everything that we have, every, every good gift comes from God. And if we don't believe that spiritually, our attitude's going to be meh, meh. And then finally, we're not much different from the world. That you really can't tell us apart from the world. Scripture puts it this way. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Can I tell you, if you are living for the Lord, you have a great opportunity to, to stand apart in this, in this world that's lost all sense of civility. Just by being a God-fearing person, 
you know, I, th I think there was probably ages where, ago where you could argue that Christians and non-Christians weren't that much different from one another. But I think we're living in a society today where the world has gone so low that if you stay close to Jesus, it should show. But if there's not much difference between us and the world, our attitude's going to be, meh. So, so finally, how do we reignite that spiritual fire? You know, <clears throat> this is the time where you, you expect the pastor to say, well, read your Bible every day and pray every day. And, and, and yes, those, those would be very good advice, and I would encourage you to do that. I, I read the one-year Bible every, every day so that it can just sort of keep me, keep me focused on another world and all that. But, but, and, and all of those are good things. But I want to share with you one thing that you could do that would help reignite the spiritual fire. And that is every day do something that requires faith. Every day do something that requires faith. Why do I say that? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. It, 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 maybe, it's, maybe it's being generous to someone who's in need that's going to require you to step out in faith. Maybe it's volunteering to pray at your life group, even though you're not comfortable praying. Maybe it's coming out of your comfort zone and inviting your friend uh, to, to visit church with you. Do something every day that sort of brings you back to the way that it was when you first fell in love with Jesus, when, 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 it, when it was so real to you, when it was so strong on you, that you would reach out and, and do something that, 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 that stretches your faith. I, I think a lot of times, Melanie, about when you and I were first pastoring and, and, and we had nothing to lose. Um, we had nothing to lose and everything to gain and we were taking risks all the time. We were stepping out in faith. You know, there's a tendency that the older we get, the safer we get. Kind of like this retirement in Laodicea, this retirement community. You know, we're going to be real safe and we're not going to take any risks and we're not going to step out in faith anymore uh, because now we're just trying to hang on to the finish line. But I had a friend that wrote a song, When I Get Older, Don't Let Me Get Colder. When I Get Older, I Want to Get Bolder, the song says. As, as, I get, as I get older, I don't want to get colder. I don't want to get lukewarm. I don't want to get meh. I, 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 I decided to share something very, very personally because I don't, like, I don't like, like preaching at people and then them thinking you're not living where they're living. I'm living where you're living. I'm living where you're living. I'm living in this world that's full of distractions and I can easily become distracted and while I'm preaching at you, I'm preaching at me and all of that. One of the things that distracts me as I approach closer to the years of retirement is just trying to have enough funds squirreled away, you know, so that I could retire someday or that maybe my kids could have something or uh, all of that, you know, because we took so many wild risks while we were Young and married, you know, we remortgaged our house so that we could give to the building fund, and we did all that. And now I'm like 10 years from retirement thinking, hmm, whoa, what are we going to do now? So, but, but, you know, one of the things that I, that I did do throughout the years is I saved. You know, even when I didn't make a lot of money, I, I saved and all of that. Not enough, but I saved a little bit. 
and, and, and was, was, was doing okay and working toward that. And uh, then just uh, earlier this year, um, I, uh, I got invited to go to a, to a dinner to hear a, a guy talk about uh, this investment, and the guy's a Christian guy, and he's got a long reputation in the city of Knoxville, and it sounded good to us, and we had money that was really not being managed over here. And so um, my wife and I put half of our retirement in this investment, and it was a nine-month investment, and the, uh, the, the, the sales pitch was it should make 9% in nine months, which is 12% in 12 months. That's pretty good. So I was in this investment, and we were watching it month by month, and it was tracking. It was doing good. We got about four or five months into it, and I got an email, and the email said, uh, the company that you're invested in has just cha- filed Chapter 11. And they didn't file Chapter 11 because they weren't making money. They filed Chapter 11 because they were doing something illegal. And so all of our money is now frozen. That's ha- that We've been working 30 years, you know, for, toward, toward building something and all of that. And all of that in, in one moment just is now frozen. The future of it is I could lose it all. I could get some of it back. I could get all, and, 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 and that became so distracting when we first heard that news and all of that. And, uh, but I can just tell you, let me just, and the reason I shared that this morning is because that was actually in some strange way a gift to me. And the gift was you're not relying on the stock market. You're not relying on your most intelligent plans. You're relying on me. And I've had you all the way through from the beginning, and I'm going to have you now. Some of you know that earlier this year I was in a head-on collision. I was driving for Lyft and car coming the other direction. By the way, I heard the story on it because I just happened to give the lady's brother an Uber ride, and I was driving him, and I was driving him real close to the scene of the accident. I said, man, I just had a wreck here. And he goes, really? That was my sister. Uh, that, and he said, she fell asleep at the wheel. So I found out what happened. She fell asleep and just came into my lane and hit me head on. And uh, so when that happened, um, of course, we turned it into their insurance. And, and they gave me money for another car, but it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't enough. to. Co- so we ended up being more in debt than we were when we started, when we got another car. But uh, I have an attorney friend, and he was handling it, and he said, hey, you should, you know, by the time they settle, it was their fault. They got the ticket. You'll get enough to pay off your car, pay your medical bills. You're not going to get rich, but you're going to get your car paid for and all that. Didn't worry about it. So I find when we got back from vacation, I called my attorney and said, have we ever heard back from them? He goes, yeah, but I didn't want to talk to you before your trip to Hawaii. I came in, and he said, the insurance company is using you guys as a test case. Here's what they're offering. It's not even enough to pay your medical bills. And, and, I was, and Melanie and I were like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> Here we go again. And once again, and, and so he, the guy says, we gotta, we gotta, it's going to have to turn into a lawsuit. Well, how long is that going to take? A year and a half. A year and a half. So we're just going to personally have to keep paying our medical bills, blah, blah, blah. All that's being worked. I don't say that to make you feel sorry for me. I say that this morning to say 
right where you're living, all of these things and cares of life that can distract you and can keep you from going forward, those are the same things that I deal with and all of those things. And God is really, you're going to think I'm lying this morning, but I can tell you, Melanie and I have peace that passes understanding about it because you know what? I think you need to plan. I think you need to invest. I think you need to do all those things. But my life is not in the hands of the stock market. It's not in the hands of my job. It's not in the hands of my intelligence. It's in God's hands. Amen? And I'm not going to let any of that make me spiritually lose my passion and lose my fervor because this world is not my home. It's all a dress rehearsal for what's to come. Amen. And amen. This week, our church, you know, our church is coming up. We're, we're, we're moving forward. And our board met last week, and we're taking a faith step. We're taking a faith step. We're, we're bringing uh, Tanner Rutherford on staff to lead us in worship. Amen. We're glad about that. Excited. It's not really fair when he interviews from the job and he looks like Jesus, you know, so. But then we're going one step further. We're, um, we're uh, Wesley, who you've been seeing on the videos. We're going to bring Wesley on staff part-time. He's been making those videos. We're going to start uh, in the near future live streaming our services, uh, just sort of the next uh, phase uh, for our church. And he's just doing an excellent job on videos on that. And it's really at a time like, oh, can we do that? Can we do that? I mean, we, we, we need to be safe. We need to, uh, you know, just, just stay, let there be a cushion. And uh, there's just something about me that says, you know what? We're, we don't want to become spiritually meh. I want to keep walking by faith, stepping out in faith, seeing God do great things. And I don't know about you all. But I believe that, that the best is still yet to come. And I want to be in a world that is spiritually indifferent. I want to be a church that says we are still passionate about our relationship with Jesus. And it matters. I would rather you be hot or even cold. But spiritual indifference doesn't just break my heart. I want to lead us in prayer this morning, and I'm just going to ask God that he would, he would set us on fire again. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life. I don't want to go through life. Meh. Meh. So distracted. So, so addicted. So uh, enslaved to the prosperity around us and the distractions around us that we lose our fire. Amen? I don't know why I'm preaching this on Friend Day. I, I probably ought to be preaching a sermon about, hey, we're just so glad you're here, and we're glad you're friends, because I really am. I'm glad you're here. But I really feel like the Lord dealt with me that where we're at as a culture and where we're at as a people, if we don't want to be spiritually indifferent, we're going to have to start stepping out in faith, do something every day, that stretches our faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that the fire of God and the passion of Jesus would infuse us. And I pray, Lord, that that, 
that we would not be like that retirement community of Laodicea that sort of got lax and got lazy and they're, oh, I don't really want to come to church. I don't really want to volunteer. I don't really, it's just, oh, man. It's just, it, Lord, we come against that spirit of indifference. And we know, Lord, that, that, that if you could undo something in our society, that's one of the things that you would undo. So I pray that you'd undo it in me. Undo it in us, God. Let us be known, Lord, as a church that's on fire for you. Maybe you're here today and you just, this is the day that you just want to start the fire and you want to you receive Jesus' free gift. He died for you. There's nothing that you need to do. He's already paid the price. And if you're here today, I'm going to pray a prayer this morning and just invite you to pray along with me. Heavenly Father, I receive you into my heart. I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins and I'm thankful, Lord, that you that you left heaven and that you came to earth and you gave your life so that we could live for you. And we thank you for dying for my sins, God. We thank you for sending us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you'd fill me right now, God. Fill me with, with your life. Help me to start fresh again. And I receive that free gift. And I pray that you'd fill me with that passion, God, to live for you and to be on fire in a world that is spiritually meh. We thank you for it. And I receive you into my heart in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me right now and you've never prayed that before, the scripture says that you are born again. That's not the ending, that's the beginning of a new life. I'm going to invite us to stand right now. We're going to um, we're going to just take a few moments to, to, to let this sink in and we're going to sing a song. And We have communion available. You don't have to belong to our church to, to take communion. Uh, but if you'd like to receive communion, the bread and the juice is over there during this so- uh, song. There's some at the back and some at the side. You can do that. But let's just sing the song, soak it in, and let's worship Jesus. And, and, and if I could encourage us this morning, let's sing with passion. And let's ask God to reignite the passion in us. Don't let us be, don't let us be lukewarm. But help us, Lord God, to be hot and on fire for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Anytime during the song you want to take communion, if you want to pray with somebody.